All right, so uh, we're gonna celebrate 10 years as a church, but before we move forward, we've gotta celebrate 74 decisions for Christ last weekend, everybody. Come on, let's give God praise. That's amazing. That's no small thing. And I just wanna say, if you were one of those people who took a step of faith, we are so excited for you. And that's why we are here. We are here as a church to help you experience God and to grow in him. And so we are so pumped. And uh, we can't wait to see what God does in your life uh, because we know that it is sweet. And if you believe that, say, I do. So good, so good. All right, well, hey, we're taking a minute. We're, we're celebrating uh, 10 years as a church. And I really believe it's important for us to do this uh, because a lot of times we don't celebrate very well. At least I, I, as a person, I don't celebrate very well. And as a church, we, we haven't like celebrated our birthday. We, we don't even mention it usually. Uh, we just kind of blow right by it. And so um, we don't really celebrate it, but I think it's important for us to celebrate what God is doing. Uh, celebration is an important discipline to cultivate. It really is. And, um, and it's important because a lot of times it's easy just to have an answer to prayer and then to move on. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like it, how many of you ever prayed for your keys? Come on, anybody lose their keys? Just raise your hand. You pray for your keys. And then, and then you find your keys and, and then what do you, like, I mean, it's just this desperate moment. Oh, God, if, you, if you'll let me find my keys, oh, Lord, I'll do anything. Lord, God, I will go to Africa. Lord, I will go to Indonesia. I will be a missionary. Lord, wherever you want to send me, I will work in the kids' area. I will change dirty diapers. And you're like, Lord, help me find my keys. And then you find your keys, and then what do you do? You just move on. You completely forget, right? Like, you just, it, you, don't even, you don't even remember it. You're like, because you just move on. Or, you know, if you're, you're just praying for, like, maybe you're praying for uh, a job or you're praying for a child, and, you, you know, God provides the job, or God provides the child. And it's, it's, it's rare that we just take a moment and be like, God, we just want to thank you for this baby. Because you know why? You're too busy changing dirty diapers. You know, and now you're just like, God, help me with these dirty diapers. Lord, bring a nanny into our life. Lord, just send somebody. You're on to the next thing. Do you know what I'm saying? It's really, really important that we take time to celebrate. It's an important discipline. It's an important thing for us to do, and it's biblical. And I wanna show you a verse of scripture that hit me in a special way this week as I was looking it up. It's uh, 1 Samuel chapter seven, and it's where the Israelites had just gotten the ark of the Lord back. They had lost it, it had been taken away, the Philistines had taken it, and they had just gotten it back, which was a big deal, because the ark of the Lord, that's the presence of God, it symbolizes God being with them, so they just got this back, and people are turning back to God, people are like, oh, following God again, they're all in on this, and it's a powerful moment in the history of Israel, and so this, the prophet says, all right, let's take a moment, we're gonna, we're gonna honor God. In 1 Samuel chapter seven, it says this, then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer. Everybody say Ebenezer. It's just a fun word to say. Some of you thought that was only for Christmas time. Turns out it's in the Bible. Ebenezer Scrooge. Okay, maybe it just wasn't funny. All right, anyways, so anyways, they set up this stone, and they call it Ebenezer, and he says, they say this, thus far the Lord has helped us. It's a powerful thing to do to say, we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna say, this is what God has done. We're gonna take a moment, we're gonna say, God, thank you, because thus far, you have helped us. It's important because it's, it's, it's giving God glory and he's worthy of glory, amen? 
He's worthy of us taking a moment and saying, God, thank you for how you've provided. Thank you for how you've gone before us. Thank you, as we look back, thank you for how you've worked in my life. There's so many times you've been faithful, so many times that you came through for me, so many times that you helped me. God, I wanna take a minute and I wanna give you honor and glory and say, thus far, the Lord has helped us. So it's honoring God for the past, but what it's also doing is preparing us for the future. Look at this next verse. I had never seen this before or noticed it or never stood out to me before, but look at the next verse. So the Philistines were subdued and they stopped invading Israel's territory. Interesting. Their victory against their enemy was directly related to their honoring God for what he had done in the past. Isn't that cool? So honoring God for what he's done is powerful for celebrating, but it's also powerful for moving forward with what the Lord has for you in the future. It actually pushes back the work of the enemy in our lives. So there's something powerful about taking a few moments and saying, God, we just gotta give you praise for what you've done and for what you are doing. And so that's what today is about as a church. Now here's what I want just to set the table for as we think about this. Because I really believe that it's important for us to celebrate what God has done as a church. That's our collective thanks. That's our collective worship, and I think that that's appropriate. As we do, I want us to think about how it relates to us personally. Because what God does in the church corporately, he wants to do in us personally as individuals. It's really true. I've seen this over and over again. So as we believe God for great miracles as a church, we can, you can, and we see God come through for us in great ways, then you can say, hey, God, you did it for the church. You can do it for me. That's how this works. You did it, or you see someone in your small group get an answered prayer. You did it for them, you can do it for me. That's how the Lord works. So there's a power in testimony that helps propel us forward in believing God to do amazing things. So as we process this today, I want you to say, God, what do you have for me? What do you want to do in me? Because I can promise you this, it's more than you could ever dream of. It's more than you could ever dream of. All right, we just celebrated a few uh, minutes ago 74 decisions for Christ, absolutely amazing and worthy of celebration. God is so faithful. Yes, man, that's amazing. What's especially cool about that is that we didn't even start our church with 74 people. <laughs> that's really neat. In fact, we started our church with 60 some people. I can't, I couldn't, this is a launch, this is a picture from our first launch team meeting right outside Harris Park Community Center and uh, a great group of people, some of the best people on the planet uh, were a part of that first day, and uh, it was absolutely amazing. And that group of 60 plus uh, prayed and worked together and believed, and our first day at church, we had over 300 people, 336 people at our first day at Harris Park Community Center. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Unbelievable pipe and drape. We had two small rooms for kids, and um, just be honest, they were nasty, okay? I'll just be honest. Like, the, we couldn't get the carpet clean. We would bring, I mean, it was just, we vacuumed it. We did our very, very best, but they were kind of nasty, and so we just checked kids in outside of the room. We had tables set up, so we just be like, no, we'll take your kid. No, well, come in and see it. No, 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 no. <laughs> you don't need to see anything going on back here. We got them. We're good. And parents willingly just gave us their kids, surprisingly so. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, we had a, our little office was the first aid room. 
So it was kind of like the prep room slash offering counting room slash prayer room. So someone would come in for prayer. You know, they'd get the Holy Spirit and a Band-Aid in case they needed it. So it was like really great, convenient. Oh, you need some gauze? It's right here. Um, and, then, uh, and then it was right next to train tracks. So the train that runs through Lee Summit. And so uh, a lot of times when the train would be coming through, it'd be like literally right next to us. And we'd, I'd hear the train, you know, coming from a while, you know, I started getting used to it. So I just start getting louder to kind of, you know, compensate for the train. And then the, and then the building would start to shake. So I'm getting loud. The building's starting to shake. Pentecostals think revival's breaking out. I was like, no, it's just Amtrak. It's just Amtrak. <laughs> and, uh, and so it was just a very unique experience. God started to help us. He started to move the church forward. But, but where it started was in January of 2012 when our pastors asked us to read this book called The Circle Maker. It's a book by Mark Batterson. It just talks about praying about something and then praying about whatever God speaks to your heart until it comes to pass. And so the Lord had put on our heart that change was coming. And so I, I remember walking in my neighborhood every day. I walk circles around my neighborhood every day, believing God for this change that was gonna come. I'll fast forward to that summer, and uh, my wife and I are vacation in Florida, and the Lord, we're going to church, and I'm, as I'm driving into the church parking lot, God says, this is what I have for you. And so I was like, well, I, I'm, I do church every day. You know, I, I worked for a church, had for 12 years at that point, loved what I was doing, loved the team that I got to, to do the ministry with, but God's like, this is what I have for you. Went to the church service, and the Lord said, uh, there was, they were talking about like their vision Sunday. It was kind of like this. They were celebrating how they started as a church plant, and God spoke to me and said, that's what I want you to do. And everything inside of me said, no, I did not want to do it. I'm not a, I'm not a pioneery guy. I'm more, I'm more of like a settler guy. I like, like being in one place. I don't want to move. I, I, and especially uh, if I was going to move, I didn't want a church plant. And so the Lord's speaking. I talked to Jen. She's like, God could be in this. And so we're in Florida. And I was kind of like, Lord, is this where you want us to plant a church to the beach communities of America? Because if so, maybe we could work out a deal. I will plant this church for you. And he was like, no. And so we had flown out of Kansas City. We flew back into Kansas City. We're driving home to Springfield. And I leaned over to Jen. And I was like, hey, what about Kansas City? Spirit of God, that's what I want you to do. And so we, we started praying about it, tried, tried talking ourselves out of it, but we really believed that this was what the Lord had for us. We talking to people. I remember talking to my mom one time, and I was in the service today, and she said, she said uh, Scott, are you sure? And I was like, no. And she goes, you know, church planning is really hard. And uh, I was like, yeah. And she's like, and, and a lot of times it just doesn't work. <laughs> it's really hard on the families. And a lot of times people don't get excited about it, and it's just... It's a lot of work. It's really hard. I was like, thank you for the beacon of faith that you have being to me right now. So appreciate that. Uh, but she was right. <laughs> she was right. Statistically, it's very challenging. And I knew exactly what we were getting into. I knew set up teardown. I had seen it. I didn't want any part of it. And I didn't want to be a lead pastor. Honestly, I did not. That's not was never on my agenda, but God spoke, and so I was like, God, we've got to go where you've called us to go, and he started speaking to other people as well. He spoke to 43 people in Springfield 
who quit their jobs, sold homes, and moved their lives to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And that's how we started our church. Isn't that awesome? It's amazing. It's so cool. And we were shocked that they wanted to come. We were shocked. We're like, like really? You do? I mean, that's awesome, but really? <laughs> and then as I look back on, like this past week, I've looked back at some of the videos that we did, like our promotional videos, where you're like, hey, this is our vision, and we're gonna like, go reach Kansas City. Have you ever watched... Have you ever watched someone, like you watch a video someone puts out and you just say, bless their heart? Like, have you ever seen that? <laughs> have you ever done that to yourself when you're like, oh my goodness, what, what was I thinking? What were they thinking when they came with us? Like, how did it work? I had no idea. I was like, this is just crazy. But what, I take a minute to tell all of you that because I think that's what makes what God is doing here so cool because it's really not about me or my wife or our family or even the 43 people who came or the 336 people who started the church. It's, it's really not about, it's about God. It's about God and God's heart for people. It's about God so loving the world that he gave his one and only son. It's about Jesus coming in and making his home among people who were flawed and broken and, and not capable and not, and not able even to experience uh, God the way that God wanted to be experienced, but Jesus did something about it. It's about a father who loves his people, who loves his children and wants them to know him. What God is doing here is about God. And it's, a, and it's about him and it's about what he wants to do. So as we've been praying about it over the last few weeks, uh, months, several months ago, we're like, man, we should do something special for the 10 year. We should do it. We don't usually do our birthday, but we should do something special just to honor God. As we've been thinking about it, I, I, we've thought about this idea that I really think encapsulates what God is doing, and it's this, for God so loved KC. For God so loved KC. And the reason we've done that is because I, I think it's important for us to personalize what God is doing. Like, it's one thing to say, God so loved the world, but that's like so big, right? It's like God so loves everybody. But it's important to personalize it because God loves everybody, but God loves you. God loves me. God loves us. But at the same time, he wants to move us beyond ourselves. And he wants us to reach our community. So God so loved me. So God so loved our family. So God so loved our city. So God so loved Kansas City. And he is doing something to change the fact that 75% of Kansas City is not in a Jesus-centered church today. And we are here to do something about that. We are here to take back what the enemy has stolen. We are here to make advancements into his kingdom, propelling the kingdom of God forward. It's who we are. And so in a few moments, we're going to watch a little documentary of Summa Park. And it's going to, it's going to share the story from the, basically from the beginning till now. And, I, and what I'm hoping will happen is that it will encourage you, it will inspire you to believe God for great things in your own life and great things for our church in the days ahead. But before we do, I want to look at a passage of scripture in John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn there. John chapter 4, it's one of my favorite stories. It's the story of the Samaritan woman. And it's how Jesus basically breaks down all kinds of religious and racial and um, gender barriers to come meet this woman where she is to show her how much God loves her. 
And it's powerful. And it helps us understand what God wants to do in all of our lives. And so John chapter four, we're gonna take a minute, we're gonna look at this. If you're ready to jump in, say I am. All right, John 4, verse 3 says this. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Very interesting wording there. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Why would it say that? Why would John take a moment to say that? Because what most pious Jews did was they avoided Samaria. Samaria was directly between Jerusalem and the Galilee. So a lot of, so a lot of them would go around basically avoid Samaria altogether. They would take the long way around instead of going through Samaria because Jews hated Samaritans. So they didn't do it. So people of Jesus's stature most often avoided Samaria altogether, but not Jesus. Jesus doesn't avoid the difficult situations. Jesus doesn't give in to cultural narratives that say, I'm supposed to hate you. Jesus breaks those things down. And that's exactly what he does with this woman. So he came in verse five to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now pause for a moment. Why is this woman coming out at noon? This is not something that normally people did at noon. Normally the woman would go out to get the water in the morning when it's cool, it's hot in this area of the world. So why would you gonna come at noon? She doesn't wanna be seen by the other people. She's got some shame in her life. She's done some things, she's been some places. She's very, she's very disappointed in how her life has worked out for her. And it's a small town, so everybody knows her business. So she's trying to avoid everybody at every chance she, get, she could get. But Jesus has positioned himself uniquely in this moment so he can show her the love of God. Verse nine, so the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Living water is important because living is, a, is opposed to stale. A lot of stale water could have bacteria in it, could be very dangerous could be poisonous, could hurt you. You need water to live, but drinking that water could kill you. So you wanted to find water that was moving. You wanted to find water that was living, as it were. And Jesus says, I am that living water. I wanna give you living water. And she says, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. You can tell she's got a little sarcasm in her voice. She's like, sure, that'd sound awesome. You got, you got this like living water that's flowing? That'd be great, I love that. That way I don't have to come out here in the middle of the day. And he said to her, oh, actually, I skipped a whole section of verses. Sorry, guys. Verse 11, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us well and drank from himself? She's basically like, you think you're so special? Imagine like going on record saying that to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just like, that's a good one. You think you're so great? Are you better than Jacob? And he's like, girl, you have no idea. Now, verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, I will give them, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty. This is where she's getting sarcastic, verse 16. He said, go call your husband and come back. She goes, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband, 
The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. <laughs> drops the mic. He drops the mic and walks off the stage. And in this moment, things get very real for her. I mean, you know, the hair on the back of her neck stands up. She's like, excuse me? There's no way you could know that. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She's basically saying like, we would love to worship, but we're not able to go there. We're not allowed to go there. You guys don't let us. So we're disconnected. There's no way we can get to God. There's all these barriers that have been, that have been established. And Jesus says, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He says, I'm coming, I'm breaking all the walls down. You Samaritans worship what we do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come. Everybody say, it's here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. He's basically saying, man, it is now. I'm breaking walls down. I'm breaking barriers down. I've come to establish, to reestablish relationship with God. People who are far from God now coming to life in Christ. He's bringing it all back online. This is what Jesus does, and this is what Jesus is doing right here in this moment. So this woman's like, I know Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he's gonna explain everything to us. She's saying, I know there's been one prophesied. I know there's supposed to be a savior who's coming. And Jesus says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. He's like, it's here. It's now. What a good what good news. Salvation is here. Salvation is now. Church, do you know salvation is here? Salvation is now. It is for you. It is today. Then leaving her water jar, check this out. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Skip down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Verse 42, then they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. What a cool story. What a powerful passage of scripture. But it, it, it summarizes what God's heart is. God goes intentionally to the places that nobody else wants to go. And he reaches the people who nobody else wants us to reach. The people who feel like they don't belong. The, feel, the people who feel like they're disconnected. That's the heart of our God. For God so loved the world. That's what that he gave. And it allows us to live differently. I want to give you three thoughts. And then we're going to watch this video. Three quick thoughts today on how we can apply this to our life and then hopefully allow God and what he is doing to speak to our hearts. Number one, live inspired. Number two, live hopeful. And number three, live willing. Live inspired, live hopeful, live willing. And I believe that this is God's will for you. I believe this is God's will for me. I believe this is God's will for us as a church as we continue to take the gospel to a lost and hurting city and to a lost and hurting world. 
Before we jump in, I want you to turn and tell four people, for God so loved KC, he's just getting started. Come on, tell four people, for God so loved KC, that he is just getting started. Okay, let me give you these thoughts real quick, okay? Number one, live inspired. Think about this woman for a moment. She's broken, she's discouraged so much that she's gotta get water in the middle of the day to avoid seeing all the people who would make her feel worse about her situation, and then she meets Jesus, and she gets inspired. She gets inspired, why? Because God himself is speaking to her. I want you to know, church, that God still speaks today. That the same God who met this woman at the well and spoke life into her, the same God who created the world at the beginning of all things by speaking it into existence, he still speaks today. And he wants to speak to your heart. And he wants to do something new. He wants to do something powerful. And it starts with him speaking a word to you. I'll never forget pulling into that church parking lot in Florida and God speaking, this is what I want you to do. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget when we were watching, we'll talk about it in the video, I'll never forget when, when the multi-site consultant came out and said, you, you know, showed this video of church mergers and the spirit of God said, this is what I have for you. I'll never forget it. God, there, and I could give you countless illustrations. God speaks if we listen. I wanna tell you today to open up your heart because God wants to speak a word to you. He wants you to be inspired. He wants you to be changed. He wants you to experience the power and the revelation of Jesus Christ personally. It's not just about church. It's about what God wants to do in your life. But if you just carve out a little bit of room, I promise you he will speak to you. If you just let the Holy Spirit have a little bit of leeway in your life, he will bring about discernment and direction and encouragement and joy and life and peace and faith and grace. That's what the kingdom of God is. That's what he wants to bring to your life. He wants to speak and he wants to bring inspiration. Number two, he wants us to live hopeful. He wants us to live hopeful. I love this verse, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the promised one? Could this be the one that we've heard about for so many years who's gonna change things and literally bring God back online and restore hope and restore confidence and restore our faith in what God can do in our lives? Could this be? You see this woman, she goes from very hopeless to now hope starts to rise. She's very discouraged, and all of a sudden, light begins to pierce the darkness in her soul. I believe that God wants us to live with an everlasting hope, with a living hope. God wants you to be full of hope. This world is full of darkness. It doesn't take a whole lot of uh, effort to hear bad news. It doesn't take a whole lot of searching on the internet to get discouraged. But I want you to know this. God wants you to live with hope. God wants you to live with a confidence that he is good and that he does good and that your past does not define you, that God can bring you up out of your situation, that the God who calls those things that are dead back to life can call dead things in your life back to life. That the one who heals the sick and, and, and raises the dead can do that in your very experience right here and now 
God cares and God has a plan and he wants you to live with hope. Hope in your heart. And then the third thing is to live willing. To live willing. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed because of the woman's testimony. It's powerful. How many of you know she could have just sat by that well and just been like, Jesus, just keep feeding me. I just, this is me and you, just Jesus time. I just want more, and I'm just gonna sit here, and you know what, that town, I don't like them. Who needs them? All they do is make me feel bad about my decisions anyways, so Jesus, it's just you and me. I want all the, you just keep speaking, but she doesn't. Why? Because she's willing to get over herself and share what God is doing with others. I, I, I wanna tell you that I am more convinced of this right here than I've ever been in my life, that if we can just get over ourselves, past our insecurities, past our doubts, past our selfishness, and, and be willing to partner with God, man, God will do great things in our life. He's looking, he's looking for people who will allow the Spirit of God to flow through them, and that's exactly what this woman does. She literally becomes a conduit of living water. She's literally now, instead of just keeping all of that living water right there at that well, she brings it to a city. And the city is changed forever because of it. She's willing. She's willing to take a step of faith. She's willing to believe God for more. She's willing to get over herself. And because of it, God moves. I want to encourage us to live like this, to live inspired, to live hopeful, and to live willing. This is the story of Christianity. This is the story of this Samaritan woman. And this is the story of Summit Park Church. And it can be our story. It can be your story if you'll let it. If you say, God, I believe, and I'm willing, and I want all that you have for me, God will show up in your life, and he will do amazing things. I want to watch this video, and it's powerful. If you've been a part of the journey for us, with us for, for a long time, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit you. If this is your first day, I pray that it hits you as well. and encourage you to say, God, you know what? I want all that you have. And I'm believing you for more because God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved KC that he started our church and so many others. And I believe with all my heart that he is just getting started. Let's watch. felt like God was speaking to me that change was coming. God began to make it clear that the change was, he was putting in our hearts was a change to plant a church uh, in Kansas City, Missouri. We're here. We are here. It does feel, being 10 years in feels so good. It feels so encouraging. Um, I'm glad we're not one year in right now. I can yes. tell you that. I'm glad we're not <laughs> starting. I didn't know this. Whenever we started the church, they have a school for church planters um, because, you know, you don't know what you're doing. And so we learned how to start a church. Well, we, we at least went to school. We went to school <laughs> for it. Church Did planters. we know how to start a church? No or did, way. No, we, no but, way. We, but we tried to learn as much as we could. I'm still not sure we know how to do it, but God is good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really can't believe we're here. I can't believe 
any of this happened. When we started the church, this was just a step of obedience. I wasn't even sure if it'd work. You know, been meeting with other pastors in the area, and one of the pastors said, "Oh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna start it. <laughs> you're not gonna actually have your church in Harris Park Community Center." And I was, he's like, I, "You're gonna have your launch team meetings, but where are you actually gonna have church?" And I was like, um, "Harris Park Community Center." You know, I was like, it was literally like he was like, "There's no way you could do it," and I was like, "I know, but there's nothing else. There's no other place to go." I mean, we did everything we could to make it like home. You know, put speakers outside, signage and tents, and you know, I remember setting up A-frames, you know, all over the place. Like, it was work. I can't believe people showed up to a gym. I really can't believe it, but they did. I don't think I would have gone to our church, but <laughs> praise God that people, people were just willing yeah. to come to our church. Yeah. It, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. It's literally a miracle. <laughs> Remember, you were hosting somebody. Oh my goodness, this is so good, yes. And I'm hosting a new family. And I look over and we had this pipe and drape. We had really tall pipe and drape because we were in this gym. I look over and all of a sudden it just comes toppling down. Just comes, it just like comes falling crashing down. Crashing down. I was like, oh, that doesn't usually happen. All right, anyway, let's go check in your kids really quick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, our crew, we had such a good team. They just got that pipe and drape back up and going. There it was, memories. Uh, honestly, it was a surprise to all of us that it was going well. It was a surprise that people came. It was a surprise that people kept coming. Hundreds of people are coming to this gym getting saved, getting baptized, but we're out of space and the setup and tear down is a, is a thing. It's an actual thing. And so we're like, we need to, we need to get a location. I think honestly, all of that was just a giant illustration to us that it's not about a building. It's about God loving people. And so the community center laid that foundation for us, helped us to understand that, man, thank God for buildings. Buildings make ministry a lot easier. So we're very thankful for our buildings, but it's not about buildings, it's about people. And God can use anything if you just give him a shot. Literally people are coming, hundreds of people are coming to this gym and, but we're out of space. And so we're like, we need to, we need to get a location. Moving into North Campus was so sweet. We were able to actually set things up and leave them there. We were able to have prayer service, you know, all of the things that make church a better experience. We were able to control the cleanliness of the kids area. Uh, all of those things are massive and they made a massive difference. And, and we saw that people, people came. So although it's all about people, when you have buildings, people are able to come and you're able to have more room for people. And moving into North Campus was definitely that. The reason you start a church in the first place is because you love people, because you care about people. You want to make room for um, people to have an encounter with the Lord, you know? And so when you move into a, a, a permanent space, you know, the world, that if you feel like the world has just opened up and you have all this um, opportunity to lean into that, God brought more people. I mean, it was just month after month, people after people were coming and getting connected. 
it was incredible. Like the, the growth was incredible. And Scott and I were talking and we're just like, what are we gonna do? And we're like, well, I guess we should go multi-site and make space, make room for people who aren't here yet. We started looking for different places where we go multi-site and where our South Campus was, that space opened up. We leased it, remodeled it, and then moved in in January of 2019. That campus had so much energy, so much life. They were just like faith-filled, hope-filled, believing God for the best, and 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 it worked. It worked. It was it was incredible, and um, and it allowed us to continue to grow while still being in leased facilities. And so 2020 hits. We're only a year in. And we know eventually we're gonna bring the campuses together. We lined up the leases so that they would yeah. end at the same time, both north and south. There were times where we were, okay, God, do you want us to just build from scratch? Do you want us to build? How is this gonna happen? And God had dropped it in our heart a few years ago, this idea of a church merger. What's up, man? Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see Absolutely. you. Absolutely. It's gonna be fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So back in 2016, maybe, I reached out to you. Yes. And we got coffee at Panera. I remember. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we need a building for our South Campus location. We were talking with our multi-site consultant. He had put this idea of church mergers yes. in, my, in my brain. And I remember watching this video of them using an illustration of a church merger that had gone well. And I remember watching that and the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, that's what you're gonna do. I knew what was going on at Summer Park and what God was doing with the church, this newly planted church. And I thought, you know what? I, I wanna have conversation with him. Yeah. It's not about 100%. me, it's not about you, it's not about Summit Park, it's not yeah. about Lee Summit First, it's all about the kingdom. How do we best advance yeah. that? And looking at our own city here in yeah. the Summit, you know, lots of people yeah. need the gospel. Yeah. So how can we better do that? Yeah. I think that, that really jazzed me up a lot. I think about the power of a yes. We literally, as Summit Park, went from, oh my goodness, we're gonna have to buy ground, we're gonna have to build, this is gonna take years and years and years. Your yes accelerated that. The board's yes, at least Summit First board's yes, accelerated that. The people's vote accelerated that. Lee Summit First Church, they voted on the church merge to happen and it was a unanimous vote. 100% of the people who were members voted to have the church merge with Summit Park. And I just, it was an emotional thing, Scott, yeah. for me. It was a very emotional thing. And yeah. I, I couldn't help but hold back the emotion. And I said, and I think about it now. Uh, I said, it, it's unanimous. Yeah. And the people just stood up and started applauding. And we started worshiping the Lord. I think for us, it has literally been a giant reminder of God's sovereignty yeah. and the way that he works and he plans and he brings things together. I feel like God's just getting started. After seeing what he's done the last 10 years, there's, there's no way he doesn't have more people that he wants to reach. There's no way that he doesn't wanna see more people baptized, more people find him. It's, 
He wants to build his church. Watching everything unfold, my faith is built yes. up yes. going, it can happen, it has happened. Yes. And there's yet more things for us to accomplish. Yes. God cares more about it than we even do. I mean, it's his church, he's building his church. And it is an honor and a privilege that we get to be a part of it. And it makes me so excited to see what God has for us in the next 10 years. I think it's gonna be even better than the last 10 years. God changes people's lives. When we show up, we don't have to be the most amazing preachers. We don't have to be the most amazing singers. We don't have to be the most amazing kids workers. All we have to do is bring what we have to the table and he takes it and he uses it and he changes people's lives and everything about them changes. How they think changes, how they pray changes, where they go for eternity changes. And that's what we've been about and that's what we will always be about. Can we stand to our feet across this place and give God praise? Come on, let's give the Lord praise. That's so amazing, God. We thank you. That's so cool. Come on, lift up, lift up the Lord in this place. God, we thank you. You're so good. So cool. So cool. Man, it is just, uh, it's just cool to see that and just to think like, Man, that is exactly, exactly what God wants to do in all of our hearts. He wants, he wants to do that. He wants to take immovable situations, impossible situations, and he wants to make them possible. He wants to, uh, he wants to, work, he wants to work his miracles. He wants to work miraculous ways in our life. He wants to take the things that are challenging, and he wants to open them up. And he also wants to, to use us to reach other people. And it just, it's about living inspired, living hopeful, and living willing to say, God, what do you have? What do you have? Because I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of it. And I want to I challenge all of us. I want to challenge myself. I want to challenge all of us to uh, just to process that and to believe, to say, Lord, yes, I want what you have. And I want to lean in. And I want to believe you for greater things. And as much as you've done in my life, I know that you have more. As, as, as great as, as faithful as you've been, I know you want to do more things yet still. And I'm going to believe you. And I'm going to, I'm going to be full of faith. And I'm going to give you all of the glory and all of the honor as I do. I'm going to ask those.